You're listening to the Moody Mommies Podcast. Audio warning. You may or may not hear kids screaming and yelling in the background. Or us screaming or yelling at them to keep it together. <laughs> oh man, we're sharing a mic again because uh, I don't know. Are we having technical difficulties? I mean, we're just having, yeah, I guess so. One of them's not working, so we're sharing. <laughs> um, but we just want to thank you guys all for your support for Vanessa for our last episode. I mean, I'm sure you could thank them better than I can because yeah, it's free. It was it was great to have everyone reach out and. Um, of course, it's a little awkward to share your stories and um, have to see what the feedback is going to be about it, but I love it. Um, but in the process of my healing, I was up late one night and I came across this documentary that I feel like I was just meant to watch. I don't even know how you come across these documentaries. Dude, it's so weird. I always find like these documentaries that are always like so life-changing for me where I'm like, oh my god, no Teflon in my house ever. (laughs) And like just like life-changing things, you know. And um, that's what I'm about, you know, educating and growing and so it was weird. I, you know how Netflix, they kind of show those little previews and they start playing like the intro. Yeah. Mine is always showing some real dumb stuff. So I just, <laughs> I just think my interest must be like real out there because I'm, why do I get all these teen movies all the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Justine's messing with your... Uh, no, she has her own like little <laughs> account. So all the kids stuff is on that one. And then this other one, Ernie and I share and it's always just like... They're like, we don't know what you guys like. Here's just a bunch of stuff you'll hate. I guess. <laughs> I don't even like, oh, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it, I, you know, I started watching the preview to this and she started talking about, you know, her her mental illness and whatnot. And I would instantly just let it play. And I loved it. I related to it a lot. And I'm so excited that we get to have her on today to have a conversation with her just about everything, how it helped, everything helped her and just kind of talked to her about the stuff she didn't cover in the documentary. So we're really excited to have her on and have you guys listen. We are excited. In the meantime, so we're waiting for her to Skype in right now. How have the past two weeks been for you? I know, I don't know if you want to talk about that you started going to therapy or not. And yeah, how, okay. no, I, I, that's fine. Um, I did start going to therapy and it's day by day, you know, every day I'm, I'm trying, and um, I think that the therapy is definitely working, and that's why I'm so excited to talk to Dr. Maris today, because I want to see, like, I've never tried yoga before, so I want to see just how she connected with it. I know. I'm, I'm really excited to hear her insight on it, because for me, I know a lot of people who benefit so, so much from yoga. Like, it's super life-changing, like... One of our aunts does it, recommended it to my mom, and yoga, and meditating, and all that stuff. Right. And I've tried meditating before, and it was okay. Like, I didn't hate it. I tried yoga, but, like, work yoga, not, like, a real class. It's just, like, here's 30 minutes to 
decompress, whatever. And I'm like falling asleep. Like, I can't do this. And I, I think I'm just more of a high energy person because I'm usually really mellow and relaxed all the time that I'm like, I need something that's going to pump me up to like yeah. motivate me to like, all right, I need to get up. I got to do whatever because then I do yoga and I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm chill now. I'm sleepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, I do have a lot of respect for it and I, I want to hear how it helped her and hopefully this is something that could also help you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and help a lot of people because I mean, it's always worth a shot. It is. I mean, doesn't hurt to try for sure. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I stumbled across it and now I'm really interested to try it, but I want to talk to her about it. Like I want to see just her different insights about all the different forms of yoga and what studios are going to be more fit for my needs right now. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's get her on the call and let you guys here. Where are they? Hello. Hi, Maris. Hold on one second. Vanessa's trying to get her headphones on, too. Oh, you're good. <laughs> okay. Hello. I am so sorry. I have no idea. I just spaced out. My calendar didn't remind me. I, I am so sorry. Do not apologize. We are moms. We forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're, like, so pretty shocked in ourselves that we, like, stayed up with this one. I know. We were sitting here anxiously waiting for you because we're so excited to talk to you. Aww. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful I get to chat with you. Yes. We're excited, too. And also... Our kids are running around somewhere, so if we have to pause for a second, please forgive us. <laughs> no, totally get it. We tried to lock them away for now. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, well then. All right, Maris. So do you want to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself as if they haven't watched the documentary just yet? Yeah, so um, my name is Maris Degener. I'm a UC Santa Cruz student my junior year. And I'm also a yoga teacher. And I came to the practice of yoga when I was 14 uh, to heal from an eating disorder. And what came out of it was I, I have a really big passion now for sharing the practice and uh, sharing what I've been through to hopefully help other people. And right now that takes the form of a documentary that was just released on Netflix. And um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm just trying to spread awareness of the reality of eating disorders and, and hopefully spread some hope too. I feel like I watched your documentary and I connected with it a lot because I've been dealing with depression and anxiety right now at the moment. And I feel like I was anorexic in my teenage years mm. and walking your watching your documentary, I kind of realized like, oh, maybe I have a disconnection with food because I'm emotionally not okay right now. So I love that you shared your story and I was on your blog the other night and I read that you said you were turning your shame into a service and I love that. I think it was so inspiring. I just love your whole story. Oh, thank you so much and and thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, it's a lot. So, um, wait, wait, hold on one second. I, can you tell us for the listeners what your blog is so they could look it up too? 
Uh, yeah, it's yogamaris, Y-O-G-A-M-A-R-I-S dot net or dot com. Either one will get you there. <laughs> and, and then like what got you started with the blog part of this? Uh, so when I was 15, 16 and starting my teacher training, uh, a big part of the training was finding our voice and finding a way to share why the practice is so meaningful to us. And I was doing all this personal writing, journaling, stuff that was just for my my own eyes. And I, I just realized I had so much to say that I wanted to put it out there and, and hopefully get to help a few people. And my evolution with, with blogging or writing publicly was, uh, it was an interesting one. Because I feel like at first I really fell prey to this idea that I had to portray a certain image. I had to be this perfect yoga teacher with all the answers and it would just be all really beautiful photographs that my photographer friends would take and everything that I would write would end with this kind of happy ending where I would have an answer out of a clear way of tying it all together and at one point one of my teachers just pulled me aside and said look you're a great writer but you you need to talk about the shit you don't want to talk about and she, she could see right through my facade. She could see right through this perfectionistic image I was putting out there. And, and she was like, you're going to impact a lot more people if you, you share some of the, the nittier, grittier stuff. And so now I, I try to share all facets of, of what it means to go through life. And uh, I don't try to pretend that I, I have all the answers or everything figured out anymore. I'm pretty sure your healing process has been a long road since you've been dealing with this since what age do you think you recognize this? Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, I, I've dealt with anxiety and depression probably my entire life. As long as I can remember, I dealt with anxiety at least. And, uh, when I was a young child, it, it was, it was pretty severe. And I think it, I think there's probably hints that an eating disorder was starting to develop fairly young in my life. Uh, like I, I can remember being a kid and looking, it sounds so cliche because everybody always looks at Barbie as like this horrible representation of women. But I literally remember looking at Barbies in the toy aisle at Target with my mom and seeing all these Barbies with bikinis on and wondering why I didn't look like that. And I think, you know, these little doses of comparing myself to this image of the quote unquote perfect woman uh, probably was subconsciously creating a, a negative coping mechanism for the, the things I was struggling with. Um, but my eating disorder really culminated when I was about 14, my freshman year of high school. That was when it really took hold. Uh, and that's when I was hospitalized and diagnosed. And so as part of your healing, did you ever try maybe any like pharmaceuticals or like therapy before you found yoga? My parents took me to a therapist when I was, gosh, I want to say a freshman in high school. Um, before I was diagnosed with an eating disorder, they took me to see a therapist. And uh, honestly, I didn't take advantage of that resource for a really long time. I would literally sit in silence <laughs> on my therapist's couch and, and not say anything because I just didn't know how to utilize it. Um and, you know, I, I still see that same therapist today. So it, it has evolved into something that's very helpful for my healing process. Um, but, it, but as far as pharmaceuticals or medication, it was just never recommended for me. 
I have nothing against it. I think it can be a great choice for for folks just depending on their unique situation, but it, it was never anything that was prescribed to me. Yeah, I feel like I, this is Jessica talking, by the way, I'm sure your <laughs> voices are pretty similar, so uh, it's confusing sometimes, but like for me, when I was maybe Maybelline, that's a word now. <laughs> you just invented it. Uh, when I was maybe like in my early 20s, um, I started feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression over like a breakup and whatever. And one of our other cousins was like, oh, you should try whatever, like recommended some anxiety medication for me. So I brought it up to my doctor and they gave it to me right away. And I feel like that was such a disservice because like they didn't say, why don't you see a therapist or somebody before you try a medicine? It was just like, here you go. Here's your pills. Yeah. And it didn't really help me cope with anything. It just kind of numbed me out to whatever I was feeling. Yeah, I've heard that experience from from a lot of folks. And I think that there's, um, like you said, it can definitely be a disservice to people to not introduce them to all the different uh, options for healing that are out there. Because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm one example of how sometimes it's not necessary. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of the times it's just the first option that's that's turned to. Um, I, I study psychology in school and one of my professors was actually talking about this recently and how it's just becoming such a common practice to just prescribe people medication when other alternatives aren't looked at first. And so I think, I think there's definitely some awareness building now that maybe we should try some other things before we jump right to that, that conclusion. But yeah, that's a, that's a really powerful share. So another thing that stuck out to us about the documentary was your mom's perspective and how she felt guilt and failure in herself as your mom for you having to deal with what you were dealing with. And of course, we're moms and those are fears that we are going to have for our own children. And Mm -hmm. what my question, I guess, is, is do you think that your mental illnesses were stemming from something maybe from like your childhood or like a trauma that you've been through in your life or do you think this is something we're just born with and it's kind of inevitable you know it's a really complicated question um, because mental illness in a lot of ways is still somewhat of a mystery uh, in that we know all these different root causes, we all we know all these different ways that it can culminate, um, but it, it's really hard to tease apart, you know, what to what extent each of those factors contributed to a specific case of mental illness. And uh, you know, my the way my therapist has described it is uh, sometimes we're born with this predisposition to mental illness or a certain form of mental illness, um, but factors in our life may never trigger it to actually really take hold. And, you know, my mom talks about in the documentary that my anxiety and and everything got a lot worse when she she went back to work. And for a while, she interpreted that as it being her fault, Um, which my therapist is quick to point out isn't true. You know, I in a lot of ways, it was like, if it wasn't that triggering event, it might have been going away to college, it might have been um, you know, any any other number of 
of highly emotional circumstances that I encountered in life. So I think what it really comes down to is the the context around what's happening in more inwards. So do I think that we're born just with this unchangeable fate that will develop a mental illness? I don't necessarily think that's true, um, but I do think that it there can be a foundation laid that if the right pressures are applied or if the right resources aren't applied, I think it can cause it to to kind of grow and, and blossom. And affect your life in a negative way. Yeah. 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 But I, I would never want, because I've heard from a lot of parents whose, whose children are going through something difficult, I would never want them to think that it's their fault. I don't, I don't think that serves anyone. I, I don't think it's helpful. I think there's ways that as a family, you can learn together and maybe find a new way to operate that's more conducive to healing. But, but as far as pointing fingers, I, I don't know that that's helpful. Yeah. Do you have any advice for parents to maybe like something for them to look out for or for them to like catch it early? Because it seemed like your parents were pretty on board with you from the very beginning. Like yeah. they weren't oblivious they didn't miss to it. A beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure like nobody really knows what you're going through and when it started, but um, when things started getting worse, I'm sure your parents were there. But is there something that you would say like, hey, if your kid starts to behave this way, like don't just ignore it or. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's hard because teenagers are kind of moody and teenagers go through things and it can be really hard to tell, you know, are they going through something that really needs to be addressed in a professional manner? Um, or are they just kind of going through a rough time and they need you to take them out for ice cream and, and help them out? Um, but, you know, my parents point out the the big thing that kind of cued them off that something was wrong is that I started isolating a lot. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to leave the house at all if it wasn't going to school. I stopped participating in activities that I used to love. I stopped wanting to see people that I cared about. Um, and that was a that was a dramatic shift from how I, I had been previously. So I think I think if there's anything to really keep an eye out for, it's those dramatic changes in behavior. Uh, you know, used to love this one thing is now not even engaging with it. I feel like that's something that can can really show something's going on. Um but, you know, it's, it's, again, so, so unique from a case-to-case basis. And what I would really want to encourage parents to do is work on the skills of opening dialogue and learning how to hold space for kids. Because, you know, I'm, I was a teenager a year ago. <laughs> I'm 20 <laughs> now. Um, so, I, like, I remember what it was like to be a kid. And I feel like so often parents will ask, how are you? Or adults in general will ask, how are you? And, and not expect a real answer. Like it kind of feels like it's in passing, you know, like, oh, how are you? Oh, good. And then you move on. And what I think would be so valuable for so many kids is setting aside the time and space to be fully available for a conversation where there's no pressure applied to it. And by that, I mean, the kid doesn't have to be able to fully explain how they're feeling, they have the time to work through it and use that conversation as an opportunity to find the vocabulary to describe what's going on. They don't have to have the answers, uh, which is something I hear a lot because 
parents will be like, how are you? Kid says sad. And they say, well, what's making you sad? Uh, And sometimes they don't know. And it can be really frustrating to just constantly be asked, what's the, you know, what's the issue? What's going on? And, you know, also learning how to hold space without trying to fix or correct. Because I think a lot of the time when you're young and you're talking to an adult about how you're feeling, as an adult, you're kind of expected to just fix what's going on, tell them what to do, give advice. And sometimes it's more beneficial to just pause and listen and say that I hear you and that sounds hard and I'm here for you. Uh, Just be a present parent. That's like the most important thing. Yeah, it sounds simple, but... You know, and, and I've never been a parent, so I'm not going to try and pretend like I, I fully understand it or have all the answers. I'm only speaking from my perspective and from what, I, what I've heard from my parents. But the world doesn't make it easy today. You know, it's yeah. there's so much to do. There's so many things that want your attention. It, it's not an easy ask. Yeah, But I feel like even though you're not a parent, what you have to say is very valuable because this is something really recent that you've went through. Yes. And you got to see how your parents lived with it as well you know and because I wouldn't even think oh yeah because I do do that to my like my daughter's only three and I'm like well what's wrong and sometimes she's just like I don't want to talk about it and I'm like why are you like this already like you're only three and it's like I do need to give her space to figure it out like what it is that she's feeling and give her the vocabulary like you suggested um but yeah I think that's super important for all of us to remember and even to remember in ourselves that, like, we don't know, like, we won't always know what's bothering us, and we just have to think about it. And, like, through watching documentaries like yours and reading, then it's like, hey, that kind of sounds like what I'm going through. Right. And it helps us yeah. with other people. Yes. Very relatable. I mean, with all that in mind, tell us about yoga. That's, like, the big uh, thing yoga. <laughs> yoga Maris now. I know yoga yoga is a big part of my life now it it's uh it's taken over a little bit in some ways um I I guess are are you asking how I came to yoga or or is there a specific question it's just such a big topic so let's talk about your first ever experience with yoga did you walk into the class and at the end of it was it something that you knew that it was your passion from that moment on or was it a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable and did you have to grow to love it? Oh, well, I mean, anything that you try for the first time does feel a little bit awkward. Um, I, I actually went to this free class that was at a new studio that was opening up in my area uh, and they there was a, there's a Lululemon store in Walnut Creek where the studio was opening so they were hosting this free class on a Sunday morning. Anyone could come try it out. And I saw the flyer and my doctor had suggested trying yoga. So I thought, perfect opportunity. It's free. Uh, If I don't like it, there's no pressure. I'm just going to go try it out. And my mom uh, came and, and drove me to class. And I remember expecting it to be just really kind of boring. (laughs) I thought it was going to be very slow and quiet and I'm not good at being still or quiet. And 
what I found out is that it was a 75 minute heated power vinyasa flow class, which is intense. (laughs) It's like an 85 degree room. There's a lot of movement. It's very strength based. And it wasn't what I was expecting at all, but it, it blew me away. And I realized at some point during class that, you know, it was so, in my case, so sloppy and so messy and I didn't know what all the words meant and I wasn't sure if I was doing it right, but I was smiling. And it was this real genuine smile that I I hadn't experienced in years at that point. And it was this first time where I, I wasn't able to be good at something. I wasn't able to be a perfectionist at it, but it was still bringing me joy. And at the end of that class, I was, you know, dripping in sweat. I, I felt like I had just been run through the ringer. But I, I felt this unmistakable sense of happiness. And the teacher who, Jenny, she's my mentor and friend now, she, she said she had one yoga mat to give away to a student who had attended class. And it was this beautiful purple mat. It was one of those fancy ones that, like, I'd only seen on the uh, on the those shelves at Lululemon. I'd never touched one in real life, and um, I'd come to class with this mat I'd bought for five dollars at Ross, and it was peeling apart into foam balls all over the floor to my embarrassment. And she looked at me, and she she kind of picked me out from the back of the room and said, I I saw there was something special about you when you walked in here and I want to give you this mat. And, you know, I I just felt so seen and so noticed in that moment. And I felt like, oh, someone cares if I come back here. Someone cares if I show up again. And so I, I came and I practiced on that mat pretty much every single day for the next year as much as I possibly could. And it was because I knew someone cared if I showed up or not. Someone was invested in my healing and my story. And they didn't know anything about me, but they still saw something special in me. And I think that was the the real gift of the yoga practice. You know, maybe if I had wandered into a ballet class and the teacher had offered me that, you know, same sense of true human connection and compassion, maybe I'd be a ballet dancer right now. I don't know. Um, but that that little connection and that mentorship that's what made my my first yoga experience really special so how soon after you started yoga did you start to notice the changes within yourself it's hard to pinpoint because i feel like a lot of the changes are really subtle i can remember certain milestones in my mind like i remember laying on my back in shavasana our final resting pose at the end of a class probably a few months into my practice And I remember the teacher cueing us to put our hands on our belly. And it was the first time I had touched my stomach in years. Um, It was just such a like this place on my body that felt shameful or like it should be hidden. And it was actually emotional for me to come in contact with it. And I remember putting my hands there and feeling safe and held. And there were a lot of moments like that where I realized that I was doing things that I would not feel safe doing anywhere else. And I was being asked to do things in a way that felt empowering and safe. And I didn't feel like I was being forced to do them. I felt like I had a choice. And I feel like that 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 element of making it my own choice and, and creating that sense of agency was really instrumental to, 
to how yoga changed me on a, on a fundamental level. Um, but you know, I probably from that very first class changes that I, that were so minuscule, the human eye couldn't see them. They were, they were probably happening. I think it's a, a continuous process. Probably because you found somewhere to put your emotions and energy into. And it was a welcoming place, too. Yeah, it, it was a, I mean, that studio is still where I teach. It's where I practice. Like, it's a very special community. So I know there are yoga studios all over. And you said you do a certain form of it. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk to us about all of the different types of forms or why this one helped you connect with it and your healing yeah uh there's there's so many different forms of yoga uh you know there's probably almost endless iterations now to the point where it's getting kind of ridiculous like <laughs> you'll you'll see now like goat yoga and beer yoga and you know there's like it's debatable you know i'm sure some people would say it's not yoga i'm not here to be the the yoga god um but you know, I, I practice vinyasa yoga because that was the first style that I practiced that really resonated with me. Um, and, and vinyasa literally translated means to put in a certain way. So the whole practice of vinyasa is setting up a sequence and then moving through it, connecting breath with motion. Um, and I, I really love it because there's so much creativity involved. Almost no two classes are the same because teachers set up these really creative sequences and it, it becomes kind of a dance and there's usually some some beautiful music that goes with it. So it's a very immersive experience. Um, it is a more Western style of yoga, which um, I just found to be really accessible as someone starting my yoga practice. You know, they, they were still using some Sanskrit words, um, you know, but but I didn't feel like I was completely out of place. It felt like something that I would be welcomed into, which... I think can be really important if you're trying to start yoga for the first time. Other styles of yoga, just to to throw a few out there, there's Ashtanga yoga, uh, which still is strength-based in a lot of ways, but it has very specific sequences. There's several series, so every time you go, you'll practice pretty much the same set of poses, which is what makes it pretty distinct from vinyasa yoga. Uh, there's, There's hatha or hatha yoga, that one tends to be a little bit slower, uh, still still sequences of poses, but they tend to be longer holds, maybe more time for instruction by the teacher on the, the anatomy and the, the alignment. Uh, but it's also a broad term. I think a lot of other styles of yoga could be considered hatha yoga. Gosh, just, just to throw one more out there, there's yin yoga and restorative yoga, which are to slower, more flexibility-based practices that tend to use a lot more props. You're holding poses for minutes at a time. Um, and they're really designed to, to practice stillness, to practice what it's like to be still, as opposed to these more movement-based practices like vinyasa. I love that you just broke that down for us because a little before we started recording with you, I was just telling Vanessa how I... I'm like a more, I'm super lazy, right? I don't, I rarely, rarely exercise. And (laughs) my job started doing like 
yoga between like our lunch breaks or whatever and i just felt like this is so boring like i'm already tired from being at work and then after this i still need to eat and then i'm just like full and knowing that there's different kinds because i was just thinking like oh yoga is one thing one thing yeah and i don't like this this is too slow for me and so you saying that there's so many different types really opened it up because we talked uh, a few months back to a therapist and she was talking about if you know you can go see one person and they might not be the one for you like Mm -hmm. just keep trying different people until you find out what works and I think it's important to maybe this yoga didn't work for me but there's others out there there's other forms that you can try and I feel like you connected with the form that you you practice because it's a lot of breathing and and releasing of just emotions and that's exactly what you need yeah and and I'm so glad you mentioned that because you might walk into class and just not have a positive experience. And, you know, I would never want that to turn someone away from the idea of yoga forever because, you know, there's so many styles and they're all so different. And every teacher interprets the style differently. So it might just be about finding the the right teacher for you that really resonates. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's it's all about finding the right fit for you and, and your context at the moment. I think I've, I want to try yoga, but that's my thing. I'm a little intimidated to walk into the wrong studio and to think that, oh, it wasn't what's going to help me. Mm, yeah, that that's real. Like that's that's something that I experienced when I was starting my practice. And, you know, hopefully that that doesn't stop you from from ever trying it. <laughs> yeah. So you are a teacher now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're so young and you have your life so together. It's so inspiring. <laughs> I mean, it might it might seem that way, but you know, we're all we're all kind of just floundering a little bit in life, I think. <laughs> you know, I'm like listening to you talk and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, she's so insightful." I and know. We're barely getting our words you're together. W- you're wise beyond your years. <laughs> you're you're already a 30-year-old mentally. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's uh, funny you say that because I'm sitting here on the other side going, oh, my God, I'm talking so fast. I'm talking so much. So we're all in our own heads about yes. our own stuff. No, you're doing great. Are there any inspiring stories that you have that you want to share from any of your students? You know, I, I'm always so grateful when students come to class and it's a safe place for them. And... You know, sometimes I'm not privy to the experience my students are having on their mat. So someone might come to my class every week, roll out their mat, practice and leave without ever saying a word to me. And I have no clue what experience they're having. Um, And so I, I started teaching at UC Santa Cruz at my school last year. And there was this one student that would always come to class, didn't really ever talk to me, I think maybe said hello on the way in. And I, I hoped that they were having a good time, but I never pried. And at the end of the year, we had a screening of the film at school for like a mental health conference day. And my mom came out for the screening. And I, I didn't witness this, but my, my mom said that the, the girl who had come to see the film and who had taken my classes stopped my mom and asked like, oh, are you Maris's mom? And she said, yes. And she said, 
she comes to my class every week and it's the only day out of her week where she feels like someone actually notices her. And it was this over here. My mom started crying immediately. I'm sure. I would have too. If somebody said that about my daughter, like she's the only thing I'd be like, I'm so proud of her. (laughs) And and it was such a reminder for me because you know, there's some students that come up to me after class and say, Wow, thank you. That meant you know, that really resonated with me and they, they tell me the experience they had. But it's those students like that don't say anything. Like you never know how meaningful your presence is to someone. And, you know, it immediately made me think of Jenny and how Jenny handed me that yoga mat and probably had no clue how much it meant to me. But that was the thing that got me back into class the next day. So it it was just this reminder of, like, you never know how much you mean to someone. And, And it's really, like, we're all in this together in this world. You know, we might be strangers on the street, but sometimes you just need to look someone in the eyes and say, I see you. I'm here for you. I, I hope you're doing okay. Me and my sister-in-law were talking about, we often talk about this when we're having bad days. We describe what we're feeling as being in the sunken place. Like we're so deep in ourselves that we just can't figure out how to get out of it and we just shut down. And I'm sure like even though you're still, you're always going to be healing, right? You're never going to be 100% like perfect. What is it that you do now to like pull yourself up out of your sunken place? Is it just yoga or is there any other advice that you have? I spend a lot of time writing still. Um, a lot of time journaling where nobody else is going to read it so it doesn't have to be put together. Um, I spend a lot of time in nature. You know, if, if I'm ha- in a real funk, if I'm feeling really low, getting outside and getting some sunshine on my skin or going out to, to see the trees because there's there's some beautiful ones here in Santa Cruz. Um, that that always turns my day around. And also, I feel like now, after going through that whole experience of not talking in therapy and not knowing how to use it, I feel like now I'm a lot better at knowing when I need to just talk to someone. And I feel a lot better now about, you know, pulling a friend aside and saying, hey, do you have, you know, some time to listen to me right now? And now I don't so much feel like I'm burdening them. I feel like now I know that they'll support me and I'm there to support them. And that's just how this works. So how do you feel like the release of the documentary has changed your life? <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a really wild two weeks uh, or three. I don't know. It's been out for a while. And I, I kind of thought that nobody would watch it. I don't know why I had that feeling. <laughs> like, I kind of thought like, oh, my mom will watch it and it'll be cool. <laughs> um, and I was like, maybe like a few more people will email me about it. And the the response has been incredible. It's been more than I ever could have imagined, you know, because this film started as a tiny little short film project that was going to be like 10 minutes. And it just kept growing and, and support just kept coming out. And next thing you know, it's on Netflix and it, it doesn't feel real. And I think, like, I just keep thinking back to that girl who was in the hospital, you know, me when I was 14 and how I, I could not imagine a future where I was happy. And now to see that so many of the sources of joy in my life, like getting to teach and getting to share my story and getting to hear from people who have been touched by the film, you know, from around the world, around the world, you know, all of that is directly related to those low points. 
And, you know, like, I wish I could go back and, like, shake her and be like, it'll all be worth it. It will all be okay. Hang in there. Uh, Yeah. It just, it's a very, it feels like a very reflective time for me right now. Like, I'm, I'm excited about everything. I'm a little overwhelmed (laughs) trying to, to not uh, overdo it or overschedule myself, which I'm still working on. Um, But I'm, I'm also just trying to take a lot of time to pause and, and just, be grateful for how far I've come and, and everything that has changed. Yeah, you should definitely be really proud. Yeah, we're proud of you because, I mean... Thank you. <laughs> it's tough. Like, it's really tough to say what you've been going through. Yeah, it is. And especially to get yourself out of the funk, it's even harder. And I love how you figured it all out and that yoga has been such a safe place for you and I'm really interested to to try it out thank you for saying that I think we pretty much kind of went over everything we had for you oh cool (laughs) (laughs) I know we don't want to keep you too long because I mean you're 20 years old I know (laughs) (laughs) I mean I can't say I have any wild plans for tonight I think I just have some homework (laughs) homework those are the days well keep doing what you're doing because you are definitely on the right path well thank you so much for for making the time for this and and thank you for putting up with my lateness that is so out of character for me I promise no don't (laughs) Um, but I'm I'm grateful that you're having these kinds of conversations I think it's really valuable for folks to hear yes we're really proud that you're really brave and just I love the exposure that mental illness is getting and just how people are using their voice more and being more honest about what they're really feeling and just watching your documentary I hope everyone watches it and even if it's not something they're going through maybe it's something they know they know someone who needs to watch it and can relate to it I hope so too Maris, do you want to, before we wrap it up, you could tell everyone the name of your documentary, the name of your blog again, where they could follow you. Yeah, um, the the documentary is called I Am Maris. Um, Maris is spelled M-A-R-I-S. You can find it on Netflix. And um, my blog is yogamaris.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at yogamaris. Follow, 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 guys. Thank you so much, Maris, for coming on with us. We really loved it. Thank you again. Okay, well, we're going to keep up with you. We're always going to stay on Instagram. Yes. Yay. (laughs) And we're going to be like, what are you doing? Tell us. Yes. What do we need to tell our listeners? Give us tips. (laughs) But, yeah, congratulations on all your success so far. And we wish you the best. Yeah, have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, you too. All right, Maris, take care.
Um, so if you guys haven't checked it out yet, please do so. And <laughs> you guys can follow Maris <laughs> on her healing adventures on Instagram, her blog. Check her out, guys. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, I think I think she does too. And thank you guys all for listening. And I think that this documentary, like Vanessa said earlier, came at a perfect time for her because, I mean, everything she's going through, she just needed to hear all of this and... It's nice to know that there's support from people that are not just moms. You know, that's usually what we go to is just, what are our mom blogs? What are mm-hmm. our moms doing? But I think it was really refreshing to get somebody from a younger perspective to yeah. see, like, where are they starting from and where are they healing from? Because I'm sure, like she was saying at 14 years old, like, we were feeling, we were in our feelings at that age, oh, too. Oh, sure. I could honestly say, yeah, I was dealing with depression at that age, too yeah but we just weren't recognizing it and i think it's great for us to have an idea of how to recognize that in our children definitely but uh i think that's it for this week guys yeah stay tuned google moody mommies don't forget to stay moody i know and if you're gonna be at the la mamacitas event we will see you there we'll be ready to mingle and then uh, if you, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know what my news is, but I'm, ex- there's a lot of people who don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited for them to see uh, the little growing belly that I got yes, going on here. It's growing. Oh, man. Did we ever say what I was having? We haven't. <laughs> you said we were going to share later. Oh, yeah, I did say that. Well, Justine's getting a sister. Woo! We don't have a name yet. We don't make boys around here. We're boys. Boys? No, boys are like. I mean, they're cool. Let's <laughs> We're a girl group, guys. Yeah, totally. We're working on the Spice Girls over here. Um, I know. We're just like mind. Oh, we have Ginger right there. Oh, My God. dog's name is Ginger. There's five of us now. Got it. <laughs> Baby Spice in the Baby works. Spice. <laughs> Baby Spice is in the works. Uh, um, I always get to be Sporty Spice. Well, I'm like a total to- posh. You think I'm a posh? You're t- Thanks. <laughs> Totally poshed me. I mean, yeah. I and then guess. what are the girls? Just think it'd be scary. <laughs> <laughs> She's a monster, man. <laughs> Luna's definitely um, sporty spice, right? Fine. So I have to give up my sporty spice title. Who else is there? I can't even think of who else is in the group. I can't either. <laughs> Baby, uh-huh. Ginger, Scary, Scary, Posh, Sporty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then who didn't we say? The baby's the baby. The baby's the baby. Oh, <laughs> You're posh. I'm posh. If I'm sporty. Oh, we didn't give a ginger. Zoe's ginger. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, this useless game is over, guys. <laughs> Google <laughs> Moody Mommies, and you'll find our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, um, anywhere that you can find our podcast. I mean, we... Uh, we work off of Podbean, but you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you want to And guys, listen. if you really love us, then share, share, share. Support, support, support. Let everybody know what you're listening to and let them know <laughs> to give us a listen. More of that. And thank you again, Damaris. We really love you and we're looking forward to what's to come in your future. Stay moody. Thank you.
Say Moody Mommies. Moody Mommies. Moody Mommies Podcast.